You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I would like to begin our proceedings here today by calling in the spirits. So I call out to your ancestors and to mine, to all of those people who lived well, those who died well, those who carry all that is good and true and beautiful in the legacy for those who are living, that we might learn from those who have gone before us, that we might right the wrongs of the past, carry forward that which is rich and beautiful from the past, and innovate and bring bring into life that which is truly ours to do. And we ask these ancestors to gather around us here today and to support us in that. And as we call out to our ancestors, let us remember that our ancestors are not only human, but they are other than human, more than human, non-human. So we call out to nature that dreamt of life. We call out to the planet. We call out to the solar system, the galaxy, and the universe, all the way back to the very beginning, to the first great dreamer, the void. And we call out to all of these dreamers, for these dreamers are all our ancestors. And we call out to these ancestors to be with us here today and to help us to see through the house of mirrors that we as humans can uniquely create One of the great gifts of shamanism is that we have helping spirits that are not human and that can help us see through the traps that are uniquely ours. And so I call out to all of our ancestors and all of their many forms that we may draw on the great richness of our heritage, our full heritage, our complete heritage, our true heritage to be the people that are truly called to be creating the new story for the people in the new world. And with all of these ancestors gathered around in great gratitude in my heart, great gratitude hopefully in your heart, let us move our energy down from our hearts to our bellies and our bellies down into the earth. And as we touch the earth, let us take a moment of gratitude for this day, for the wonder and the beauty and the mystery in it. We give thanks for life. We give thanks for all that is that is around us in this great diversity. And we give thanks for the wonder of life and that profound miracle with a moment of gratitude for this deep, deep mystery. Let us then reach our energy down all the way to the very center of the earth, bringing our gratitude through all the layers of the earth, expressing it from the heart all the way down, down, down to the very center of the earth. Let us connect to the most essential energy of the earth there and call the earth energy up, asking it to come and be with us here today to bring the wisdom of the earth that we might understand manifestation that we might understand better how to be here in form in a good way. And as we draw this energy that restores and replenishes and rejuvenates up, up through all the layers of the earth and into our bodies, we call in the energy that helps us to ground. We call in the energy that helps us to bring home with us wherever we are, to reach out to others, to create hearth, to create family, to create community. We call out to the energy of the earth to help us to have a sense of belonging, a sense of union and connection. We call out to the earth to help us to be one with all things, embracing that great diversity and expressing our own uniqueness in a way that is balanced and whole. We call out to the earth and we ask the earth to give us this moment, this moment in this day that we might stop, let our mind grow silent and feel our oneness, our place in the great fabric of it all. And from that moment, let us come into right relationship with ourself, right relationship with others, right relationship with our physical environment and right relationship with the invisible world. 
And with all of these connections and interconnections, we give great gratitude to the earth. May our heart grow full with this richness. May we draw our energy up from our bellies to our hearts, our hearts to our minds, and up and out through the sky. Whatever weather the day holds for you, let your energy rise out through it in gratitude. Out through the sky, out through the atmosphere, and all the way out into the cosmos. Let your energy dance and be caressed and caress. All those heavenly bodies, the stars, the wonders of the universe, all that is out there that we do not yet know, let us embrace it. Let us embrace the unknown and reach all the way to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name we know that power, let us connect with it and draw it down. Drawing into ourselves, drawing into our day, drawing into these proceedings, the essential energy, the essence energy of blessing. And in the blessing, we also draw in the energy of protection. We draw in the energy of generosity and benevolence, devotion, excellence. We call these energies in, drawing them into ourselves, into our body, from our head to our heart and our heart to our belly and grounding the sky energy all the way to the center of the earth. And in this way, the sky meets the earth and the earth meets the heavens. And in this way, these two great lovers come together. And know that union for just a moment in your great imagination inside of yourself and let that big love that great dance of yin and yang energies inside of you open up, open up the space so that we can call out to the energy of the heart to be full here, to be clear, to be open, to be strong. We call out to the heart to be the crucible that it is, to draw up the fiery passions of the belly and the crystal clarities of the mind, to draw the lower chakra energies up, the upper chakra energies down, and to bring them into the heart where they do not compete, but they dance together. And a great, passionate, sexy dynamic of a tango or something, some such. In your heart and in that dancing, they give birth to the reason you are here, that third and most sacred thing. And so allow these energies to move in your heart to give birth to some sense, some understanding, some feeling, perhaps a glimpse of a vision of why you are here. And may you find in your heart the courage to do something in this day, large or small, to bring that soul's purpose into manifestation. The spirits are gathered around here to support us as they are in every day. And let us do what we have come here to do. So we give thanks for this spirit energy around us. May what needs to be said be said. What needs to be heard be heard. And may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. So I'd like to give great gratitude to Irene, to Scott, to Sarah, and to Susan, and to all those of you who are able to help financially. Those of you who are able to donate to the show, amounts large or small, help me to keep the show on the air because there are several thousand dollars worth of bills every year, and you help me make that possible. And I give great gratitude to you, and I give thanks for those who are unable to donate financially because we also keep the show on the air for them as well. I give thanks to all of you who are using what you learn on the show in your life to change things, to change your life, to bring your gifts to the world. We, and for those of you that haven't noticed, there's a new place on the new website for inspiration and these are is the art and the gifts uh the stories the poems the things that people are sharing with me that come directly out of their use of this what they're learning on the show in the world and it's deeply inspiring i am grateful for it but i also want you to go to the new website and look at it yourself and be inspired so Anyway, where was I? Gratitude. So thank you all. Thanks to those of you who are using what you're learning. Thanks to those of you who are sending questions and show ideas and all of the things that help the show to grow and be vital. Um, Keep in mind, those of you that are savvy in the, the land of cyberspace, to do the things that also help the show to spread and to be known and to grow stronger. Um, because I, I, would love it, but I doubt that there will ever be one person that donates $5,000 to the show, but there could easy, easily be a 1,000 of you that donated five, and that, that would be excellent. So thank you. Thank you, everyone. And I just have such profound thanks this day for such a beautiful, beautiful day. Um, life is rich. And thank you all for being here on the planet with me at this time while we engage 
No matter what we're doing, we are engaging in writing the story for the next arc, this next world that is already here. There are people that say, you know, that the December 21st, 2012, that nothing happened. But those are those people that believe that, I don't know, the aliens were going to come in and save us from ourselves or something. And, of course, the truth, the deeper truth is that we're not going to be saved from ourselves. It isn't going to happen. We need to learn from our lives. We are here to learn and to craft a new story based on what we learned from the old story, just as humans have done um, in the passing of each world. And so our task is to leave behind that which didn't work, to learn what we needed to learn and to go forward in a better way so that those who are coming are honored to have us as ancestors. May we make them proud by what we do today in our lives. And so this show is about the shadow. And there's two parts to this show this week and next week. It's not just about the shadow, but it's about expanding our understanding of the shadow to understanding that there are also collective shadows. And this is, this is one of many things that we are talking about this year because, yes, this year I have an agenda, so deal with it. I have an agenda, and that agenda is to ask this question, what do we need to do? How do we need to change? What have we learned from the last world, the last story for the people? What needs to be done differently, and how do we do that? And this is my little drop in the great big ocean of the answers to this question. But we need to ask it. We cannot just keep doing what we were doing before and hoping to be rescued by aliens in the next great event. We, need, we are the ones to do it now. And so I've talked about the energies I believe we need to come into a new relationship with, like darkness and the unknown. Um, we had the messages from the teachers, the great teachers, as we came into this time. One other theme through this year is how can we understand evil in a different way so that we can be more effective in um, no longer carrying that story, the story of evil, that we can deal with it in reality, in its true manifestations, and not um, enhance it, not give it life beyond uh, what its own reality deserves. So another another piece of this puzzle of how can we be in the world differently how can we learn from the story before is we we need to come to understand what the gift of the shadow actually is now there is great great work done by men and women Um, the women didn't get a whole lot of notoriety but nonetheless there was great work done by men and women bringing forward Um, our awareness of the shadow. But we need to shift in our understanding of it and how we work with it. So this show and the next show is dedicated to this. And this is, um, this show, these shows are called Transforming Communal Shadows. And I forgot to mention that we are live. So if you'd like to call in about this topic, you can call in at 512-772-1938. You can Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site, or you can email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org, and I would be happy to read your question on the air or simply bring it into next week's show. Um, if you go to lastmaskcenter.org, you can also see when the workshops and things are happening over the summer um, and fall. All right. So moving along to the communal shadow. So what is the shadow? So let's all get on the same page here. So the shadow itself is an archetypal space um, that we put aspects of ourselves in. The nature of this space is that anything put in the shadow space becomes lost in the unconscious. So just like the shadow my body casts, because the sun is behind me, the shadow itself is neither good nor bad. It is just hard to see things clearly when they have been cast in shadow. So generally now, though generally what we refer refer to as the shadow, is not so much this space, 
as it is the rejected aspects of ourselves that we put in the space. And so we're really talking, when we talk about shadow, we're really talking about shadow selves in a sense. So these, these rejected aspects of ourselves are both aspects that we value, which we usually refer to as positive or light in the common language, or those that we don't value which we usually call negative or dark. I'm not real happy with those terms, um, but basically you get my point. So the point is that due to harsh judgment or fear, we reject aspects of our being, not because they are bad or because they actually are scary or anything like that, but because we're being taught to judge them that way. We're being taught to fear them. They are not innately problematic. We're, we are being taught to perceive of them as problematic and thus We shove them into the shadow space, into our unconscious, where we will not have to deal with them. Because these aspects of ourself have been lost in the unconscious, they end up repressed, undeveloped, and denied. In other words, the shadow is a closet filled with undeveloped potential. And that's how we need to begin to see it. So the shadow is a closet filled with undeveloped potential that we don't know about because anything that is unconscious, we don't know about. And so for me, as much as there is often argument about whether shamanism is about healing or transformation, which seems to me to be a silly argument, nonetheless, what shamanism offers up us through the skills, the basic shamanic skill set, is this ability to um, know what we've chosen not to know by putting it in the unconscious. I mean, because you can chase your own mental logic around and around and around. And if you're with a therapist who isn't smarter than you are, you can do that for years and never get anywhere. I mean, you always, the first thing you need to find in a therapist is a therapist who's smarter than you are. Because otherwise, you'll just run in circles with this kind of stuff. So, The whole point of shamanic skills is it allows us to be clever. It allows us to be tricky. It allows us to outsmart ourselves. And this is the great benefit when we're talking about the shadow. So the shadow is an archetypal energy that has been discussed at great length by Carl Jung. And in Jungian psychology, the shadow or the shadow aspect is a part of the unconscious mind consisting of repressed weaknesses, shortcomings, and instincts. Um, Jung wrote that everyone carries a shadow, and the less it is embodied in the individual's conscious life, the blacker and denser it is. At all counts, it forms an unconscious snag, thwarting our most well-meant intentions. So that's pretty classic Jungian thought around the shadow. John Elder wrote that the shadow describes the part of the psyche that an individual would rather not acknowledge. Now, because they've learned to not acknowledge it. But anyway, back to the quote here. An individual would rather not acknowledge. It contains the denied parts of the self. Since the self contains these aspects, they surface in one way or another. Bringing shadow material into consciousness drains its dark power and uh, and can even recover valuable resources from it. The greatest power, however, comes from having accepted your shadow parts and integrating them as components of yourself. So that's pretty basic higher-end shadow conversation. Um, There's another show about the shadow and the divine in the archives um, that delves into shadow more if shadow is really an unfamiliar concept to you. But I'm going to forge ahead today assuming you've got some background, some understanding in the shadow, or you're just willing to forge ahead with me even if you don't. Okay, so parts of ourself we send into the shadow are the parts that we want to be protected from the light. That that these are parts of ourselves we've learned to fear or judge harshly, so we don't want anyone to see them. It's all about light, light, literal light and literal dark, not judgmental light and judgmental dark. So we don't – it's about putting things away from the light so they're not going to be seen. And these are parts of ourselves that have been judged harshly, usually incorrectly. So we have learned that these parts are bad. So we hide them from the light. So these parts ferment. They brood. They twist in on themselves over time. What would you do? 
if you were unfairly judged? What do you do when you are unfairly judged? What do you do when you're forced to live in silence, to not speak your truth, to be in the darkness all the time without love, smashed together with a bunch of other rejected parts from life? So uh, shadow parts can be in the shadow closet for decades, fermenting, twisting in on themselves, um, having conversations with each other. So it's a problem because these energies change in the shadow closet. They become something they weren't originally. Originally, every energy shoved into the shadow was an ally to your soul's purpose. In fact, it was a necessary ally, absolutely required. Every single aspect of yourself that is now residing in the shadow, because someone else taught you to not trust it or to judge it or to be fearful of it, is actually originally an ally you need to live your soul's purpose. So remember I said the shadow is a closet of unrealized potential. So these are absolutely required uh, to to being able to truly and robustly be the person you came here to be. You cannot be the person you truly came here to be and leave your aspects of yourself in the shadow. It just won't work. So the issue is not that the energy you find there, the issue is not even how the energies got there. None of that is really important. And boy, people can spend way too much time talking about it. It's just an explanation. It's not important. What is important is that every energy recovered from the shadow must be transformed, not integrated. And I have gone on and on about this in other shows as well. So that's also not the point of today's show. But I just want to clarify that the transformation requires unconditional acceptance of the shadow part as it is, but not integration. Shadow selves require that we accept them and we love them as we find them. And that we then work with them consciously in the conscious process with spirit to discover the path of transformation that will restore the shadow self to its true identity. And this is critically important with shadow work. When we discover the ally that is at the origin of each shadow self, we integrate that ally. And then in that act, we transform ourselves. So that is the basic shamanic understanding of the shadow. Uh, The capacity to do this is the focus of year two in the cycle training that I teach. That it is absolutely essential that we learn uh, the sense of when a shadow energy is up. What does it feel like? Because they're extremely sneaky. And your shadow energies are as smart as you are. So it's very important to begin to understand what shadow energies feel like when they arise and uh, how to be suspicious of the kinds of patterns in life that point to the shadow and most importantly, how to deal with it when it arises effectively so that you can reclaim your allies. Okay, so there's a TED Talk from 2011. Now, I take my TED Talks with a grain of salt these days given their particular brand of censorship. But this was a good talk and babies and bathwater and all that. Okay, so the speaker was Charlie Morley. And he was talking about transforming his shadow through lucid dreaming. And he's a masterful lucid dreamer. It's a very cool idea. It's a great talk. Um, Challenge here is, of course, if you can't lucid dream at that level, you can't do what he's talking about. But it's a really great idea, especially for those of you that are way interested in the dreaming aspect of shamanism and all this so it was the talk in and of itself is interesting but that's not why i'm bringing this particular ted talk up at the end of the talk so it's eight minutes and 21 seconds into the talk it's very a very end of the talk charlie shares his big idea and he begins to talk about our collective shadow he talks about how there are cultural and collective shadow aspects 
that we collectively refuse to integrate and that until we face them, we will never be whole. So in other words, it's not just about you and your shadow. It's about you and our shadow. It's about us and your shadow. So it's not as simple as, well, you can get around to dealing with your shadow whenever you decide to get around to your soul's purpose. It's that we have, a, there's a communal piece here, just like everything. There's a communal piece here. And so my dealing or not dealing with my shadow affects this whole issue of communal shadows. So Charlie's saying that until we can transform our personal shadows, and I would say in that develop our shadow transformation chops, you know, that we really get good at shadow work. So until we do that, we can't hope to embrace the collective shadows because, well, it's just too confusing. Our own are confusing enough. We have to learn to function in that confusion, and then we can get really good at embracing the collective shadows. So Charlie ends um, his talk beautifully saying, now is the time to wake up together, to embrace the shadow of the world. And this is what made that TED Talk so interesting, this idea. This is the idea I rarely hear people talk about, uh, much less actually dealing with other than here in last mass community, because this is something we deal with. But every time a new person comes into the community, we have to explain what this is, why it matters and help them kind of get up to speed with valuing it. So what I loved about this TED talk, it was the first place outside of my own community that I really heard someone talking about it um, as something that in Charlie's world, you just can go to sleep and deal with. It was beautiful. Okay. So one of the functions, for example, of the leadership council in my student community is to keep tabs with spirit through journeying of any community shadow patterns that are coalescing in the community and then to engage the community in transforming them. And we do this for two reasons. Uh, One is to harvest that gold for the community. It means there's an ally that's wanting to emerge. So we want to harvest that ally. We want to draw, transform that shadow pattern into the allies. And we want to be able to become more whole as individuals. That's why we're part of this community in the first place. And so it's part of this understanding that the individuals don't really function without the collective and the collective doesn't function independent of individuals. Okay. So back to the shadow and you. And me. Okay, so everything that is you began as pure, innocent infant. You, I, we, each of us, we are innately good. Therefore, everything in the shadow closet is innately good because it all began as part of one of us. So there's no part of you that deserves the intensity or severity of judgment that sends a part of yourself into the shadow closet. No one deserved it. No one in the shadow closet deserves to be there. And once there, those that, don't, those that are there, none of them deserving to be there, will get a little twisted, a little bent out of shape, a little angry, frightened, fully ensconced then in crazy logic. But the shadow is a realm that we can enter through journeying with particular shamanic guidance. And by that, I mean helping spirits who excel in the realm of crazy logic. And that's not all helping spirits. Believe me, that it is a rare breed of helping spirit, but they exist nonetheless. And they excel in the realm of crazy logic. And since the shadow realm is a realm that runs on crazy logic, um, we can spend years trying to impose psychological logic, heart logic, emotional logic, uh, trying to impose logic on this realm, mythical logic. But it doesn't work because it's not a logical realm. It's a crazy logic realm. So we could, on the other hand, get down to business and surrender to our spirit help and allow that help to guide us along the paths of crazy logic as much as they irritate us. 
to move along the path of the crazy logic that will allow us to locate, reconnect with, and recover the parts of our self that is lost in the shadow. And then follow that crazy logic path of that shadow parts transformation. So the other thing to understand about shadow energies and that transformation is this isn't transformation through death. It's transformation through love. And this is true whether we're talking about personal shadows or collective shadows. Because everything in the shadow began life with you, poised and ready to share in living your soul's purpose. Everything in the shadow is an ally, functioning in your life as an enemy. So it's functioning as an enemy, day in, day out, through the unconscious. But it began life as an ally. And our collective shadow behavior creates enemies to living in ways that are sane, sustainable, that embrace diversity, that embrace a wisdom that includes and is greater than human wisdom. So these shadow, collective shadow energies create ways of living that are deeply, um, that are not deeply rooted in the big love that connects us all. So the whole point of doing this work is to draw these true allies. You know, so the more powerful the true ally, the more powerful an enemy it is when it's in the shadow, personal or collective. In other words, the more effective our collective shadow is in disrupting and sabotaging our life together, the more we have to gain from entering the shadow realm and transforming these collective shadows because it means the allies are really powerful if the enemy is that good at destabilizing us and getting us to create ways of life that go against everything sane, sensible, and sustainable. So we have nothing to lose in doing this work together than our hiding places, and we have everything to gain. The shadow is an archetype, and we will always have a shadow closet. That space will always be there, but it could be empty. As Jung said, the best political, social, and spiritual work that we can do is to withdraw the projection of our shadow onto others. Because this is, of course, what's creating um, collective shadow energies. So let's look at some collective shadow energies. Um, Most of you are thinking, what the hell is she talking about? So let's look at some collective shadow energies. So one of our most public places of collective shadow is in the arena of leadership. Collective shadows happen because we collude together to unspoken rules and practices due to shared and unconscious fears. So in this, we then agree to play out roles for each other rather than living, speaking, and acting in our truth. So I'm going to little tiny sidebar here because I was listening to someone speaking about why they're not living and speaking and acting in their truth. And it had everything to do with being, being worried about what other people would say and do. And I have to say, you know, I grew up in a small town. I am a first child, total overachiever. I get it. I spent a whole lot of my life learning that exact same lesson that you have to be worried about what other people are going to think and feel and do. You know, I grew up as codependent as anybody else. But what I came to realize as I got pushed by spirit to live, to speak, to act from my truth is that the bottom line is initially nobody cares. They don't want to have anything to do with you once you do that. They just would rather um, ignore you. And so eventually you start meeting people that are interested in other people that are speaking your truth and people start to pay attention to you again in a good way. But now at least you're with people that aren't trying to manipulate each other by worrying about how everybody feels. So this whole issue of living, speaking, acting your truth is not half as big an issue as we think it is. Our fear of that is another collective shadow. And it's our fear of that that makes us easy pickings for Watiko, for these evil thoughts that take root and are spread like viruses. So this all fits together. So anyway, 
back to collective shadows. So leadership. Okay, so leadership is basically a story about expressing power. Uh, in particular, expressing power in the world. And um, leadership does this in one of two ways. Good leadership. So it's expressing power in a way that demonstrates personal mastery and that it teaches others to express their power. So that's good leadership. So that kind of leadership, though, requires a very strong heart. And when we go into fear, that strength of heart emerges in actions that are motivated by weak-hearted leadership. So to compensate for this weakness that leaders are actually feeling on just the verge of consciousness, right? So to compensate for this weakness, leaders become righteous. So righteous behavior, no matter the, the, the flavor, but just righteousness, righteous behavior is always a sign of shadow behavior. It doesn't matter whether it's ecological righteousness or um, religious righteousness. It, it doesn't matter what the righteousness is. It's just a flavor, like flavors of ice cream. It's still ice cream. It's still righteousness. So the irony of expressed righteousness is that it reveals a lack of trust, you know, because people that are righteous seem so sure of themselves. But the truth is that that certainty is covering up a deep lack of trust. So in other words, I feel my righteous position arise within me and clarify itself. Right? And now a balanced leader says, thank you very much, righteous position, for that clarity about me, where I stand. But I am a leader. So let me reach through my trust in whatever I trust and find the flexibility I need to lead a diverse group of people toward what is collectively right for us. Which means I have to trust things other than my own attitude. <laughs> so... But you see there that, that um, how that righteousness uh, is a lack of trust. So righteous leadership is expressed first and foremost in America's leadership in positionality and inflexibility. Oh, don't even get me started on examples. Uh, the attachment to position to the extent that we would allow the downfall of a country with the refusal to be flexible – characterizes our leaders today in America and they many of them and they are a reflection of our shadow they are playing a role for us just as we in our refusal to lead ourselves are a reflection of their shadow so we are all caught up in this collective shadow behavior together um so the collective shadow in leadership also coalesces in patterns of judgment and casting blame on others. So um, this shows a lack of trust in others' goodness, in their um, reasoning, their own logic that happens to get them somewhere different than yours gets you. Um, so it shows a lack of um, the necessary acceptance, objectivity, and discernment um, that would actually qualify someone to lead. Right, So the heart's gone weak-hearted and the leader, to compensate, goes into this place of strong judgment and casting blame to create this false sense of strength when the true weakness is in their own heart. Um, and so they're not able then to access trust and then necessary acceptance, objectivity, discernment, these things that are all required for someone to lead well. Um, so the question is, where do you cast blame on our leaders? How um, is that a direct route to a journey question for you that could lead you right to shadow energy? And it leads you right to your own shadow energy that is ready to be free from your shadow or else it wouldn't be coming up. So these, these collective shadow energies that we're all participating in, playing out all these different roles in, colluding together to coalesce, are the result of the old story. And, and we're given this opportunity right now with the beginning of the new world to lift these energies off 
so much more easily than ever in our lifetimes, those of us that are living today, who've lived in both worlds. The issue is we've got to wake up to the fact that this is a shadow pattern that we are playing out. We need to embrace these, um, the madness and um, begin to transform this shadow. So another place that leaders um, who fail in the courage of heart, um, another place when they go into that weak-heartedness is um, they try to make a show of strength through control. Um, So one example is um, people wanting to uh, license and regulate and control shamanic practitioners. Right? This is this, this, um, there's no, there's a lack of courage in the heart, a weakness in the heart, then a desire to compensate for that, not through good leadership, but to just control the situation. So these leaders, be they mothers, fathers, or world leaders, right, they lose their trust in those that they lead. They become attached to a particular outcome and they abandon the process of co creation of our shared future. Remember, a good leader leads in a way that teaches others to express their power, that demonstrates their personal mastery. And by that, I mean their mastery over their own weaknesses, their ability to know themselves well enough to to choose to step through that weakness, to choose to trust, for example, in this case we're talking about with shadow leadership. So we rail at being controlled by our leaders, but then do we each trust the collective enough, trust that connection enough ourselves to step into the small moments of leadership that life requires for us to co-create this new story for the people in the new world? I can't lead you there. I'm just doing my part. All of us are asked in our life to lead. There's a moment in every day where you're asked to step forward as a leader. Will you step into true leadership or just flounder in this collective shadow around leadership? So I have the joy of having a student who could say yes to my last question, that yes, she does step into the small moments of leadership in her day, and she is co-creating the new story for the people in the new world. Uh, This woman teaches shamanic values and principles at a private Catholic school, and she can say yes to that question. She trusts the collective of her students and the school, the teachers, the administration. She trusts them all enough to surrender control, allow spirit in, and to lead the emerging spirits of these children and to tend the outcome of what wants to emerge. I receive the most inspiring tidbits that she passes on from her students regularly. It's, it's, it's one of the most beautiful parts of my life, all because this one person is willing to step out of this, this coalesced shadow pattern of leadership and to just lead where she can. And to lead in a way that supports others in finding their own leadership and expressing their own power. It's not that hard. What she does do, though, is she trusts. She, is, she has the capacity to trust. Not willy-nilly, um, vacuous, um, innocent trust. But the trust born of years of life. And coming to understand that what she's finding in her shamanic practice is worth trusting. So if we are to heal our collective shadows, if we are to truly transform them, then we must get the healer out of our collective shadow as well. The leader is only one of many energies that is drowning in our collective shadow. The healer is another. The work of the healer requires a full and loving heart. But nothing frightens us humans more than truly open, loving actions in the world. To do it publicly, to be outed in the world as a person who believes in love, as a person who will allow 
the motivation in their heart to motivate their actions in the world. That's healing energy. So the healer's heart is often in everyday life half-hearted, not quite risking that full, raw, vulnerable place of true love. But instead moving from a place of technique, that safe, aloof place of the skill of the healer or the role of the healed. So in that half-hearted place, we slip very easily into two enormous collective shadows. One of those is the martyr. Uh, The martyr uh, is the person who does not attend to his or her own healing, rendering every act of healing another half-hearted act because they haven't attended to their own healing in the first place. So this is one place that this, um, the healer energy moves into this collective shadow. One is the martyr. And the second collective shadow of the healer is the addict. And the addict is the pattern of indulging in the neediness and withdrawal that we feel when we go half-hearted. And then seeking the intensity that is the surrogate for doing the real thing which would be to risk that full, raw, and vulnerable heart and to be truly full-hearted. It's a raw, vulnerable place to be. And yes, the majority of people deeply invested in the old story will think you are a fool. Get over it. Because what we know from our shamanic life, what we know in our bones from our shamanic life is this is the only option. To follow the big love, to become a vehicle for the further and greater manifestation of this energy and the interconnectedness of things because then we make sustainable choices. We make choices that embrace all living things. We don't kill off all the bees. We don't uh, frack the earth and poison it so there's no more water. We, we live in a way that is sane. And we are able to begin to heal the deep, deep social wounds that we carry, that we avoid by sliding into these collective communal shadows. So the path out of the collective shadow of the healer is actually very simple. It's just not easy. And it is the path of love at all times, fierce and unwavering. And um, by its nature, it is also the path of balance. And this is terribly, terribly confusing for us um, because our idea of love is utterly distorted and um, confused by songs. By songs that speak of a kind of personal sort of selfish love, the love that's all about me and you. And you're mine and I'm yours and we'll be together forever. Here's my heart. Um, Problematic. Love, the big love, begins with the Tao. Begins with the yin and the yang energy within us. Awakening the true, full, um, you know, four chambers of the heart and all the powers of the heart. And our willingness to step into the world as a lover. Unapologetically. And to do things because they are right. To do things because you are the one who is there to do it. And to do things because you love the day. You love life. Because you're not afraid to love. So, one of our great collective shadows is driven by this fear that we, many of us share, that it wasn't safe as children to love. And that's why our hearts are designed to love again, because we have to learn. We have to learn that we are here as love manifest and that we are here to manifest it. Every gift we have to give, every action we are going to take as warriors, as leaders, as teachers, as visionaries, all of it, is an expression of our love for life, for the world, because that's the original dream. 
And we have this huge arc of a story behind us. It's in retrospect now. We have the beauty of that clarity to guide us in how to go forward. And this embracing of our personal shadow so that we can begin to develop the chops, the skills necessary to transform these collective shadows. It's good work, but it's not the work of those who are weak-hearted or half-hearted. It's going to be the work of people who can lead with strong hearts, people who can heal with the full hearts. And it is, it is people who put themselves in service of the big love, in service of the Tao, so that we can become agents of change that help simply to restore balance to life. And yet we live in a time with these two enormous collective shadows, the martyr. And see, the problem with the martyr is that Jesus was a martyr. And thus, in being like Jesus, people are martyrs. And we need to understand that that really wasn't his teachings. His teachings were about love like all the great teachers. Their teachings are all about love. And so we need to understand the martyr not as something to aspire to, but we need to understand the martyr as a healer wanting to come out of the shadow, that we must attend to our own healing or our every act of healing is a half-hearted act. So the martyr is transformed by the one who loves themselves enough to do their own healing and thus bring their gifts fully to the world. So when I think about this, the first thing that comes to mind, interestingly enough today, I don't know the man's name, but he was a big evangelical Christian guy, big name, big money. And he turned the teachings around And he said, basically, we have to change how we interpret the word because it is leading us to ecological disaster. That we must understand that the love that Christ teaches is love for all things. So so that was an act of transformation of a shadow in this man who was a leader, coincidentally. So... We are all part of this collective shadow. So every single one of us needs to look for the martyr. Where are we martyring ourselves? How are we participating in this great uber martyrdom? And how can we simply begin to do our own healing and to support others in doing theirs? And it's about loving ourselves enough to do what we need to do and to bring our gifts fully to the world. Okay, so then the other collective shadow, the big, especially in America, but um, it's not only America, big, enormous collective healer shadow is the addict. And the addict is transformed by the one who is fearless in love, knowing that the one great intensity available without prejudice or bias to all is the intensity of true love. Everyone has that capacity. The, as I said before, the answers to the healer is easy. It's, it's simple. Sorry, it's simple. It's just not easy. We all have this capacity. And we are so afraid to burn ourselves like the phoenix on this fire, this fire of true love. But we have no other choice If we are to be the people who are to write the story for the new world, we must burn in this fire and give up our uber shadow collective permission to be addicts, to indulge in that surrogate intensity that we're doing to compensate for the the fact that we chickened out of love. We simply chickened out of the greatest intensity humans are designed to dive into, which is true, passionate, open-hearted love. 
that's all it's going to take. <laughs> that's all. Just true love. Uh, but the point is, we dive into all of these other intensities, these surrogate intensities, work, sex, drugs, food, TV, etc., etc., all of it. All of it is just to alter our intensity level, to compensate for the fact that we chickened out of loving. Because as a kid, we learned it was dangerous and we got hurt. So what? Do it again anyway. That is the great compassion, the great heart in the dream that this planet dreamt of life on her surface was this constant possibility for rebirth, for transformation, for the heart to love again. This is deep, deep in that dance of the Tao, is that constant shifting, changing of the chi, that constant possibility to do it again. And to do it with the wisdom of those who have gone before you. Hell, to do it with the wisdom of you the last time you did it. Learn. Do it differently this time, but do it. Because this true love energy is the greatest healing power we can manifest. It's the greatest power, period, that we can manifest. And in the light of true love... The shadow reveals our allies. Your allies, my allies, our allies. The collective shadow reveals our allies. It is so easy to be crushed, depressed and despairing under the weight of our collective shadows. I mean, not a day goes by I don't have to admit that I wish a tidal wave would come in and just wash everybody in Washington out to sea so we could start over again. But that wouldn't really help, and that's a little bit violent. But it's so easy to be crushed by the weight of these collective shadows. And we forget in that crushing weight that, it, that is communicating to us the power of those allies. And that is why it is worth our time and energy to go for it, to work together to transform these collective shadows, to recover our allies. Why does it seem so hard? Because we're trying to do it alone. Because we need our allies from the shadow. And when we recover those together, we will recover ourselves. We then have the possibility, each as individuals, to be truly whole as well. And then we can actually, together, write a new story for the people of the new world. And our descendants will be proud to have us as ancestors. So I'd like to give thanks to the ancestral energies that gathered with us here today, the humans, but also the non-humans, For we need your perspective to find our way out of this ever so human trap of the shadow. We give thanks to the energy of the earth below and her compassionate dream that allows us to change and change again. We give thanks to the energy of the sky above that gives us blessings and protection. And finally, I have great thanks, great trust, great belief in the heart. And in particular, the energy of the heart that unites us all. So next week, we're going to talk about another set of collective shadows. And in particular, we'll be looking at the um, archetypal shadow patterns that arise and trap us in uh, the rebel energy and the disciple energy, which is that place of... um, worship or um, valuing someone and putting them up on a pedestal so that we can then knock them down and demonize them. Uh, Victim energy and self-denial. And in particular, we're looking at how we all collude with each other to lie to ourselves about who we are 
and what will truly make our hearts sing. And how we continue to lie together about the very simple fact that we can together actually live lives that will make our hearts sing. So thank you all for listening with me here today. I hope that you can find the courage to take step into that little moment of leadership that will arise in this day and then step into that little moment of healing and know that they are yours for the taking. Thank you, everyone. Have a good week.